This episode of Weirdos is sponsored by Jameson Durham of Blackwell Realty. Are you or someone you know on the market for a new home? Maybe you're looking to sell. If so, we have the perfect guy for you. Jameson Durham of Blackwell Realty is the realtor and managing broker we trust for our own needs as well as that of our families. Jameson goes everywhere, works harder than most, and will negotiate with everything he has on your behalf. Jameson helped my dad sell his home and not only got an offer over the asking price, but sold it in just two days. You can contact Jameson via phone at 615-879-5998, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Jameson Durham Real Estate, on Instagram, just search Jameson Durham and the number one, or simply tie your information to the leg of the closest bird you can find and he will contact you. So for an easy, dependable, and thorough real estate experience, contact Jameson today and experience the Durham difference. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. My name is Jay. And I'm Kellen. And welcome to Weirdos. Today we're going to be speaking on a potentially sensitive topic, um, religion. Mm -hmm. But before we get started, we just want to take a second and say that this podcast is for entertainment purposes. We're just two weirdos that like to have conversations. (laughs) We're not here to try to convert, to deter, or offend anyone out there. Correct. We'll be speaking from our own individual experiences in the past, and we'll be sharing some of our own personal views on religion. All right. And with that being said, let's dive in. Uh, so, Kellen, like, I know we're best friends and everything, um, and I know that I grew up Southern Baptist, mm-hmm. but I can't recall if I know your um, religious upbringing or not. Yeah, so I, uh, I went to family church, a family church or a church that my grandmother attended, South Carthage Missionary Baptist. So I grew up Missionary Baptist uh, from, uh, I guess, as old as I was, or as long as I've known. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, my uncle, which, you know, Eddie was a uh, Baptist preacher, so I was in church all the time. Um, my my dad never really yeah. liked going to church. My mom started going to church, um, and then I would you know, growing up, I would stay with my grandmother all the time, and Southern Baptists have revivals, and I don't know if that's something that other religions have or not, but a revival is a week-long event, usually, unless the Lord compels him to go longer, Right, and that's where church on Sunday and Wednesday <laughs> is not good enough. You go every night. So I I remember those right. uh, very well, because I hated it, and I think I hated it a lot because the preacher knew me because he was my uncle, so... I would, me and my cousin Tara would always try to sit in the middle of pews, in the middle of the congregation, because that's like the hardest place for him to get to is because he would have to pass <laughs> over so many people. Because I remember this distinctly. I remember every time, like he would, he would preach and, you know, so there's like, you know, you repent, you repent, you ask for God's forgiveness, you get it, you, you feel that burden lift off your shoulders, you feel it inside, and you know that you're saved, right. you're ready to go to heaven. But every almost every Sunday, but every revival night for sure, he would like pinpoint out me and my cousin and like come up to us. I'm like, I think you're ready. I think you're ready. And I would just like, look at him confused. I'm like, am I? Because what you're saying up there is is a little contradictory to what you're saying to me in my face right now. 
I always, right. always dreaded that. And I don't know if that, did you have any experiences like that? Were you like pushed? Uh, yeah. And, you know, uh, <clears throat> for the life of me, I've been to General Baptist and, and First Baptist and Missionary Baptist. I've been to, uh, you know, different Baptist churches. And for the life of me, I couldn't tell you um, the real difference between them because the sermons typically go the same. Um, I've, I've even mm-hmm. sat in a Methodist church um, a couple of times. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, there's always that. It, uh, <laughs> without <laughs> trying to sound negative, that's always kind of been the off-putting thing for me. And I understand the push. I understand the purpose. We're talking about eternal life, uh, you know, through salvation. So, but the off-putting part has always been for me is that there was such a strong push as if that was like the only message to get across. Uh, I know, especially growing up, we talked about revival and yeah, I was actually uh, pinpointed out during the revival uh, in 1996, which was the year I got saved. Um, if you believe in that or if you don't, I, that's my personal belief. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, it was, that was always somebody coming up to you. Um, mm-hmm. It almost felt like every Sunday. Uh, and I don't know how your church was, but there was always like at the end of the service, me and my cousin uh, used to sit towards the back for the same reason, like you said, to try to you know be out of the way, but we would use the hymnals <laughs> as forts. We would bring action figures <laughs> And we would sit in the floor and we would build forts with the hymnals. Uh, but it was like almost every single Sunday, there'd be the mm-hmm. Christian handshake or the uh, altar call. And they would just really hammer home that, you know, if you haven't been saved, you need to be saved. If you're, if you're in doubt, then you're ready. You need to come right now, right now. And being a shy kid, it was, it was like such a struggle to decide like you said, well, am I? I don't know if I am. I don't. How do I know I am? I mean, I know you keep telling me right. that I am, but do That's I know a, that I am? One good thing that COVID has done is we don't have those communal handshakes at the end. But I always dreaded those too because you know, Charlottesville yeah. County, there were Linville's, Gregory's, and Russell's, so everybody know who knew who I was. Uh, right. You know, they knew Eddie was my uncle, and everybody knew me, so they all pushed it and pushed it, and and I get it. It is to some an urgent issue you know if you believe that i get it but i didn't want it to feel like a chore like going to church became a chore for me because my like, uh, uh, like i beg my mom please don't make me go right. please don't make me go and you don't you know at that age you don't really know how to communicate your feelings well enough like i couldn't put into words why i didn't want to go it's just like oh he doesn't want to go to church well it's, it's not necessarily that it's just i feel uncomfortable when i go and and it just continued and right. continued. And what I'm going to share next is a story that I don't know if, if maybe, maybe three people know it. I guess it's not a story I share very often, but it, it, it kind of um, puts this whole me going to this church and, and being forced into perspective. So again, every time we were there, like, you know, you're ready, you're ready. So right. one night at a revival of my, cousin Tara she wasn't there so I was on my own like I would go with my grandmother because that's who I was staying with so I was sitting in the middle of the pews I'm like okay I'm gonna hide here like I was surrounded by people I'm like this is a good setup I'm gonna be good I can't remember if I had any action figures making a fort or not 
but I might have. <laughs> I definitely did do that <laughs> as well um, and had like goldfish and Ziploc bags. <laughs> um, but this was probably the Thursday or Friday of the revival. So it had been going for several nights already. And every night, you know, I had to go because I was too young to stay at home by myself. So I had to go. And every night, you know, people would come up to me like, it's time to go. It's time to do it. It's time to do it. It's time to do it. I'm like, okay. Okay. So I I came up with this plan. I'm like, okay, I know what I'm going to do when he comes up to me this time. Like I have it, I have it planned. So like clockwork, he came back to me, put his hand on my shoulder. He's like, it's time to come up. Like, you know, it's that fight or flight. And I can't fight because we're in church. So I said, you know what? You're right. You're right. It's it's time. I feel it. So I literally went up to the front of the congregation. There were other people there. And I think Justin Lankford was up there the same night. Um, there were other people up there, you know, getting saved, praying, you know, doing the best they can. And I'm up there because I'm tired of being asked. So I sit there and I put my face in my hands and I pretend like I'm crying and I pretend like I'm, you know, praying really hard. Oh, wow. And I think my aunt came up to me and she like puts her hand on me. She's like, how are you? I was like, I'm good. I'm good. You know, like, this is it. Like I'm saying, this is good. And <laughs> I did that as an escape from this, what, what then I thought was a nightmare of just having to constantly go through this all the time with this, with my family and, and the church. I'm like, so I sat there and pretended that I got saved that night. And you know, looking back on that, obviously then I thought it was the best idea I ever had. Like, I'm like, this was genius. Why didn't I do this the first time? <laughs> like, hey, you know what? I'm good. Let's do this. But I just right. felt so much pressure and I didn't want to feel that way anymore. So as a kid, you already have enough on your shoulders. So I just sat there and pretended it happened and, you know, tell my grandmother. And she, I, I, that was the part that kind of burnt my heart a little bit because I was doing this for my own reasons. Like I had my reasons and at the time I thought they were good for doing this and my grandmother was just so happy and she was right. crying and just ecstatic about it and I'm like that made me feel like garbage because I, I'm lying to her and not only it's not lying like did you steal that candy yeah. bar it's lying like did you, did you really get your <laughs> ticket to heaven like that's a little bit of a difference there um, right but I just felt like I had to do that and I did and that weighed that still weighs on me now that I did that but you know later probably maybe seven years or so I did, you know, and get saved in, you know, the way you're supposed to, not faking it. Right. So I, it probably took them seven years <laughs> to forgive me for pretending, but that was just something I felt like I had to do at that time because there's just too much pressure. Yeah. I think, I think so. so <clears throat> brief history of my religious journey. So, like I said, I was I was carted to church by my mother. Uh, we went to a family church. That's where my aunts, uh, my grandmother, uh, all went. And it was always, you know, <clears throat> it was just something that we did on Sundays. We went up to uh, Carthage, Tennessee on Saturdays. We stayed with my grandmother. They'd spend the night, get up the next morning. We'd watch Charles Stanley, who is still <laughs> preaching. God love him. <laughs> we'd watch him while we got ready for church and then we'd load up and we'd drive uh, and we'd go to Sunday school and then go to regular church. And so that was, you know, all I knew that was the routine, you know, you get in a routine, you just, you expect that that's what's going to happen. And so we talked about it a podcast or two before about the Baptist collegiate ministries at ball state. 
you know, I was still <clears throat> at that point I was, since I was now old enough to live on my own, when I was 18, I moved out and was living on my own. I stopped going to church. Uh, but I, you know, I was active quote unquote in the Baptist collegiate ministries, not per se, you know, engaging in their activities, but you know, I was, you know, there and talk religion with them. Uh, and then from, I don't know, mid twenties to early thirties, um, kind of fell out of religion altogether. I, it wasn't that I, you know, stopped believing that there was a higher power or anything like that. It was just as my ideology developed, as my view on life developed, I started to kind of resent oh, yeah. organized religion. Um, and part of the reason was because there are 66 books in the Bible. There's in, in the King James Bible, there's 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. And for me, part of being a Christian was from Matthew to Revelations, that's supposed to be the most important part of the Bible. Not saying that the Old Testament's not important. It's got lots of good stories. Um, even some of the founding fathers would take, um, there was the, the Jefferson Bible. I don't know if you've, if you've ever heard of that, but he basically took all of the miracles uh, and um, what could be considered magic. That's a terrible word, but um, <laughs> all of the things that, that happened like that water would be considered supernatural like maybe out of it. And yeah, yeah. And, and, and made it to where it was just a moral story, like how people should act and interact with each other and how people should live moral lives. Um, and so I got, I got so put off because in specifically missionary Baptist churches or Baptist churches kind of in general, there's so much of the fire and brimstone preaching. It's almost like fear tactics. Like mm -hmm. we want to scare you into heaven. And that became frustrating to me because I'm like, you're, you're ignoring so much of the positivity that is in the book for the sake of, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. And I understand that that is you know, right. the ultimate negative, <laughs> but I don't think that should be the, the end all be all of how you, I think it would be more advantageous to get people to choose that path if they preached more of the positivity, like we're Christians and the thing that separates Christianity from Judaism is Jesus. And most of the teachings of Jesus are love one another, you know, treat everybody with respect. Don't look down on anybody, but that fire and brimstone teaching of, you know, sin's bad. And then you get people in, that want to look at sins on a level to almost justify their sins as not being as bad as somebody else's sin. And, and all of those things combined kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. Uh, I don't know if you had anybody in your church, but there was people in our church um, that almost, it almost seemed like they were looking to justify their yeah. sins as being less. Um, and, and that was such a negative look on faith for me that I just kind of, you know, stopped being yeah, religious absolutely. <laughs> for that, a while. That's something that um, was always my issue. It's like, I don't have a problem with God. It's the fan club that I have an issue with because organized religion is a racket. And, and like you said, like Southern Baptist, the reason you're going to church yeah. is because you're scared going to hell. But as I progressed, you know, I ended up going to Long Hollow Baptist Church. Have you been there? 
Uh, I've driven by it uh, so, in the five minutes yeah, it right, takes to yeah, pass it. So when I was in college, had some friends and we would go there and they have, you know, it's like a concert. So people were going to that church for a completely right. different reason. Like Southern Baptists are going because they're scared. These people are going because they're getting entertained out of their minds. Like there's a giant screen. There's a full band. There's a right. coffee bar inside. There's a gift shop. That that doesn't make any sense to me either. Like I, I stopped going to church in probably high school, um, maybe middle school, because of it finally. Like I think my dad ended up saying, if, like, if he doesn't want to go to church, he doesn't have to go to church. And um, so I stopped going until right. I guess my senior year, I started dating a girl and she was going to a different church. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll go to church with you. And it was, a, it was still Southern Baptist, but it's very, very small, like 20, 25 people. And I kind of like that. Like I tell Lindsay, like we talk about going back to church sometimes, like she um, goes to Belmont occasionally and they're, they're huge too. And I'm like, if I'm going to church, I want a piano and people singing. I don't want any electric instruments and I want that little that little board right. against the wall that says how many people were there last week and how many people were there this week like that's that's a good church to me so I started going to this church with right. this girl obviously for the wrong reasons but I was doing it and I was starting to enjoy myself again because it felt different like it wasn't as smothering um and then fun fact right. I became the youth pastor there and that's something a lot of people don't know about me and that's something if you met me recently you would not believe because of you know how I talk and everything. But <laughs> I was the youth pastor there for gosh two two years maybe I don't even know if I made it a year but during that time I was having fun again with church and again it was small so we would meet Wednesdays Wednesday nights like seven o'clock that's when we would have the, the youth group stuff so I remember a few stories about me being this youth pastor and the, the preacher would always bring, he was from Carthage. So they're all, he would always bring his son and then three or four other kids all would ride with him to Hartsville to go to church. So I would have all these kids and one of them would always report back to me. So on the way home, every Wednesday night, he would drill them about what I taught about, what I talked about. Like, he was just, like, drilling. What's he doing? What's he saying? Blah, 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 blah. I didn't like that. Like, that that kind of started to irritate me. Because just, if you, you put me in this position, right. you're not paying me. Just trust me to do what I'm supposed to do. So, one night we started having class in the basement. And I had this great idea from a scripture. It said, Jesus is the light. Yada, yada, yada. I, I don't know the exact quote anymore because I'm 36 and I haven't been to church in a long time. But the premise of it was Jesus is your light. So if you've been saved, you're going to heaven, you have Jesus as your light. Like he's going to lead you the way you need to go. So I'm like, you know what, you know, what would be fun. We have all these metal chairs. We have this long hallway and we have about five flashlights. So to drill the idea home that Jesus can lead you where you need to go, I set up this little labyrinth of metal chairs. And if you were saved, you would go to one side of the room. If you had not been saved yet, you would go to the other. Then I would have one by one, the kids come up and go through this maze. If you were saved, you got a flashlight. If you weren't saved, you didn't get a flashlight. Needless to say, the people who weren't saved hit those chairs a lot. One of my friends was there that night, decided to run through it. Right. And um, crashed all the chairs. <laughs> Preacher came down, hollered at me, was not very happy. And I get that. But he, he was focused on that one instant <laughs> rather than the, the, the story or message I was trying to drive home with these kids. But that was one of many right. little things that bothered me. 
there was a lot of hypocrisy with his family in the church. Um, I don't, I don't, I try, I don't want to offend. I don't want to call anybody out. So I'll say it as delicately as I can, uh, but I'm also live. So I can't promise that it's going to be that delicate, but let's say <laughs> you're a preacher at a church and your son cheats while he's married. And then you let your son get married to his new woman who he cheated with at your church. Like that's an issue. Like that goes against principles and, and also stuff when the preacher also, right. you know, kicks other people out of the church for doing things that are a lot less than that. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, favoritism with right. your family. So on top of all that, what really um, pushed me over the edge of doing this was I was responsible. I think I volunteered to do the Christmas play. So, you know me, I like to write. Um, so, they're like, we want to do a Christmas play, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, can I write this Christmas play? Sure. So they let me write this Christmas play. So I finished it, and I give it to them to read over. And in this Christmas play, there's a guardian angel. So it's this girl. She's sad. She's down in the dump. She doesn't know what to do with her life. And this guardian angel comes down and says, you know, life is worth living. Jesus loves you, et cetera, and, and pulls her back in. So the members of the church are reading this, and like, uh we don't want people to think we believe in guardian angels. I'm like, okay. Cause I put a lot of time into this cause I'm not the wordsmith. I wasn't the wordsmith then that I am now. Like I can sit down and write three stories right now. So back then it took me a long time to do this and I was proud of it. And like, Oh, guardian angels, that's going to be a no for me. Like, oh, well, what can I do? And then somebody's like, Oh, well, why don't you make it a ghost? I said, oh, oh, okay. So, <laughs> we don't want people to think that we think a guardian angel can come down and direct us into the right path, but ghosts are fair game. And I'm just like, that blew my mind. <laughs> and like, I, do I believe in ghosts more than guardian angels? Yes, but that's not the point. The point is you don't want people to think there's angels. You want people to think there's ghosts. So I broke right. up, the girl and I broke up, but I kind of stopped going. It stopped me in the youth pastor for sure because I was just tired of, of being quizzed all the time and felt like I wasn't trusted. So that ended, I go to Ball State and then you mentioned the Baptist Collegiate Ministries. I become a member of the Baptist Collegiate Ministries and I eventually became the vice president, I think somehow. I don't know how that happened, but I did. So I had a friend <laughs> on campus um, who's a big Christian, but he was gay. So he was a great guy and I'm like, you should come to these meetings to be, be great. Like it's Baptist Collegiate Ministries. We, you know, talk about God, have a good time. And I invite him to come to the meetings and he comes to one later that day, members of the group came to me and said, they didn't think it was a good idea for him to be there. I'm like, well, why? Like, well, because he's wild gay. I'm like, okay. And you know, he's still one of God's people. If anything, if you, if you disagree with him and his lifestyle, if anything, you should pull him in. You know, and like, that's right. when, that was when I just kind of like, you know, I think I'm done with organized religion. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't, people can perceive it however they want. They get scriptures from the Bible. They can just, you know, cherry pick what they want to believe and, and go against other things. Like, it just, it blew my mind, the hypocrisy of organized religion. So I was done with it in college. Like, after that, I'm done. Right. Well, talk about the hypocrisy. That's that's that was a thing that uh, put me off as well. Uh, 
when you have people in the church calling out other churches for not believing correctly. Like for me, religion is a very mm-hmm. personal experience. Like <clears throat> you can have a hundred people in a room, read the Bible cover to cover and every one of them come up with different meanings and different parables uh, as it relates to life. And so for somebody to say, you know, we'll pray for this church because they're doing it wrong. Well, how do you know? I mean, how do you know they're doing it wrong? I think that it's people get so trapped in the church they belong to that they start to stray away from the ultimate. Because that's exactly what it is. And and like, I mean that like, (laughs) you know, because what we believe when we were young is what we were told to believe. Like we, we followed what our families beliefs were. Right. Like what they taught us, what our, you know, our family members taught us. That's, but it, I mean, in, in, in the sense that is a trap, like we didn't have a choice in it. You know, th- like this is what you need to do. And that's okay. Right. Because they thought they were doing what's best. And, and maybe they were, but. Well, I think, yeah, I think that what gets lost is open debate. It's it's you get so set in a this is right and this is wrong and this is how it is and if you don't see it this way and that's you know the world in general today is you know everybody wants to paint everything black and white. There's there's no room for deviation from from what I say because what I say is is correct. And <clears throat> I think that's why a lot of people who grew up in church when they get older they end up getting pushed away mm-hmm. because they start having their own ideas uh, or their own feelings about what the Bible is saying to them that when they try to express those people are so resistant because like you said, they've been taught from kids and they, they either grew up to question it or they grew up not to question it. And the ones that don't question it uh, believe that they're a hundred percent correct in their faith and that anything right. outside like, of uh, that Christianity is, is king. That's what they all <laughs> think. But you know, Christianity is only the second oldest religion in the world. Like Hinduism is the oldest religion right. in the world, but I think it's healthy to explore other faiths, faiths and ideals. Like there's nothing wrong with that. If one of those calls to you, who am I to say that you're wrong? You know, um, a term you, you're going to, you probably already right. have, but a term you're going to hear me use all the time is relativity or relative because everything's relative. Like if I go to church on Sunday, I'm not right. experiencing the same thing that everyone around me is experiencing. Same goes for any other experience. Like it's, it all hits us right. differently. It all sinks in differently. But a lot of people, Christians do think that it's, it's their way or no way. Like it's the end all be all. Like it's just, I, I find that hard to believe. There's so many other religions out there. And you're trying to tell me that there's only one way into heaven. That just, I can't, I can't wrap my head around that. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, for me, I mean, I believe in, in, you know, God and Jesus and salvation and, you know, that I, I believe in all of that. I believe that, you know, you have to have, you know, faith. I think faith is ultimately what it comes down to. You have to have faith that there is a higher power, uh, and that that higher power, I mean, like anything else, wants love. Uh, but the part, like I said, the part that just keeps being off-putting to me, and you brought up the the individual who was, you know, Christian, but was also gay. And when 
you ask somebody like, would you sit in church with an individual who's LGBT, uh, LGBTQ or whatever? Would you sit in the church with them? And a lot of people are going to say no. And my question is, well, why not? I mean, you read through the stories of Jesus and he never turned anybody away that was seeking right. God. I mean, he, you know, was kind to everyone as long as they were looking for, you know, a path to God. There was no, but, but people get so, like I said, it goes back to that. Well, you know, yeah, I went to Walmart on Sunday, but that's not as much of a sin as someone being gay or somebody who, you know, committed a murder and, and i'm not trying to say that shopping mm. at walmart and killing somebody is the same thing i'm just saying you know They're if you follow <laughs> <laughs> if you follow you know you shouldn't look down on someone else's sin and then you have a lot of people that i don't know if it's to boost their own spirituality or to feel better about the, their shortcomings by pointing to like you know it's like the kids in school and somebody's like oh look uh, bobby's pants are dirty and he's like oh well sally's got ketchup on her dress ha ha let's yeah. laugh at her instead of laughing at me it's like that same you know mentality of well i mean i may have done yeah, that but but all sins are equal this. and so i'm i'm better than i that's in the bible right and yeah and it, and that, but that and, and and that's where it it starts to get frustrating for me is you know people want to say well at least i didn't do that and that's not how you should look at it. And you shouldn't, like you said, you should, if you think somebody is sinning or has sinned, you should want them to be even closer to the Lord. You shouldn't push them away because you feel like their sin is yeah. somehow excluding them. I think being in a church <laughs> like that, that too, is like a status symbol these days. And if you don't believe that, turn on channel two, five, four on Sunday mornings and see these giant mega churches and you know, Olstein, right. like, it's a status symbol. These, they do think they're better than everybody else. And I don't get that. Um, but, you know, we're all, right. we're all God's children. It shouldn't matter what we do. But I'm, I've heard arguments like, well, you know, if he was really saved then he wouldn't do that or she wouldn't do that. And I said, well, maybe, maybe not. But um, the fact of the matter is people believe what makes them feel the best and that's okay. But it's also sad. And, and I say right. that because I think back to going to concerts at Bridgestone. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but I know most people have. But there's always protesters outside Bridgestones, uh, outside Bridgestone at the concerts, like saying, was we did when so, we went yeah, to uh, like, Slipknot Nelson There's always people out there. It doesn't matter if it's Slipknot <laughs> or just Beyonce, but there's people out there like that picketing, saying, you're going to hell for listening to this music. I'm like, I don't think that's right. Um <laughs> There was religious groups that protested Fred Rogers. Mister Rogers himself protested his funeral. There was there was groups that protested his funeral because the they West didn't Baptist agree Church. with his message. And I think scum of the it earth. could have been those people. They, they they yeah they and people like that are a part of the problem. They don't realize it of putting people off of religion because they're so extreme and so filled with hate. And that's what makes religion so scary too, is there's and, people out I there mean, like that. Yeah. And, but it's, and it's all religion. We, I know we're, because from personal experiences, we both come from a Christian background. It's easy to pick on Christianity, but it, it's like there's, there's those extremist groups mm -hmm. in every religious faction 
that take it to a negative place. And for me, religion should be a positive experience. If you're, if you're irreligious, religious, whatever, as long as you're having a positive experience with what you believe, what your faith is. And I think that's the most important part. It's when it starts to come into a negative territory uh, or accusational territory like you said, where it's like a status symbol. It's like, well, I go to church every Sunday. Yeah, you're also sleeping with your neighbor every right other Monday. Like, it, that, that's, that's exactly what people do. And I did that for a while, too. Like, I would, you know, even when I was a youth pastor, I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing. You know, I, that's just, we were growing up, we were kids. It doesn't mean we're not getting into heaven. It doesn't mean we're going straight to hell. It just means we made a mistake. And everybody makes mistakes. But definitely, my majority of my experiences with the church have been more on the negative side and there have been great moments too like don't get me wrong like i enjoyed it a lot but there were just so many negatives that you know if i did a pros and cons list one side that paper is going to be full and it's not the pros so you do you go to church now at all so we were going to before covid and everything started we actually had gone to um, several different churches for a little more background my wife uh, grew up uh, Jehovah's Witness, and she left the church. I don't exactly remember when. I want to say she may have been middle school, uh, but you know, when we got married, neither one of us really uh, practiced religion. But you know, having kids and you know, you get older and life kind of changes. So we start. We decided to start. You know, we we want to find a church. We want to find a church where we feel comfortable, uh, where we feel that the message is important not Mm -hmm. secondary, if that makes sense, because there's some churches where, you know, you go to Sunday school and it's five minutes of lesson. And the first 30 minutes of Sunday school is gossip about what's going on in the neighborhood. Um, which if all school was like that, I probably (laughs) would have a PhD by now, but, um, but so we decided we were going to go to family churches just so that we Mm -hmm. could have the girls exposed to it. Uh, not push anything on them, just try to help, help them to decide how they wanted to grow up. Uh, so we went to uh, three different missionary Baptist churches just because that was all, all, our families all went to missionary Baptist church. My mom and sister went to one in Gallatin. My family, of course, that I grew up with still went to the one in Carthage and Megan's grandmother went to a church in Hartsville. Uh, we talked about the Russell's Linville's and Gregory's it's the Linville church. Um, mm-hmm. Not, saying anything negative that's just the, the right. everybody in town knows that yeah. that that is the name of the church i think it's east end or something like that maybe um but anyway for me it's all about if you get anything out of it and we really enjoyed the pastor in gallatin so we were going there until covid happened and then so now we you we go virtually every Sunday uh, via Facebook. Uh, But more than anything, we kind of sit down and just kind of discuss things and try to explain things in a way that's easy for our children to understand and, you know, actually allow them to ask questions. Um, We don't try to to force anything. Uh, It's more or less, you know, kind of like an open debate. Like, so what do you think this means? Uh, and I think that that's that's part of what got me more 
more religious in recent recent years is that open dialogue that I never experienced growing up. That ability to question something yeah. and say, "What is? But what is that really saying? Like, do I really agree with what I was taught, or do I think that it means something different?" Which I have, I, I would probably turn a lot of people off, but I have a very specific ideology as far as uh, what happened <laughs> after you know, after uh, Jesus left the earth. Uh, well, you had talked to me about Which I don't this. know I mean, if we want to get into that because that it sure. could be like, very... <laughs> well, it's, we're, we're, it's our choices from here on out, right? Okay. Okay, so so basically my idea, ide- ideology based on my current understanding from my learning or whatever, the Old Testament is a lot of God intervening in mankind's actions from Genesis all the way through to the last book of the old Testament. I can't remember the name of it, but it was, you know, God's miracles or God um, smiting somebody to prove, you know, a point as far as, you know, I'm the Lord, you know, do as I say, and I'm not, and I don't mean that negatively. I'm talking about, you know, the 10 commandments is how you should treat people. This is how you should act and interact with others. You need to be loving. You need to be kind. You need to be respectful, trust in me, all of that. That changes in the new Testament Mm -hmm. because we have Jesus. Now the living embodiment of God, the example, this is it. Okay. I've tried every way possible. I have destroyed cities. I have caused a flood. I have sent, you know, my commandments. I have torn down buildings. I have done everything I can to get you to quit sinning, quit doing bad things. It's not working. So here it is. This is a living example of how I want you to be. And from that point on, God has kind of left us to our own devices. I'm not saying he's abandoned us. I'm not saying that God doesn't still, you know, interact daily with humanity but it's more or less here it is this is what i want you to do this is how i want you to be either yeah. do that or don't <laughs> that, that's i'm you know i'm i can't i can't make it any clearer how i want mankind to interact with each other than to give you a physical embodiment of what i want and like I said, that was part of the reason I got so frustrated with organized religion is because they got so far away from that. I'm like, this is it. This is the example. That name any part of the Bible that Jesus is involved in where he espoused hate yeah. towards somebody who was different than him. I mean, he he talked about not liking actions, but as far as God's people, he loved everybody. And so from that moment on, I think that God has kind of more been hands off. Oh, absolutely. And I agree. Um, If that makes sense. He just got frustrated. I forget it. (laughs) You know, this is, I've tried. I'm done. So do what you want to do. (laughs) And and we don't, we don't do what we're supposed to do. We don't love our neighbors. And and I'm just as guilty as anybody that's listening to this. Like, yeah, it's just because it's become so natural to us to, to think that way because that's the way of the world right now. And like, I don't care who you voted for. I don't. There's people on Facebook say, if you voted for Trump, I will unfriend you. Uh, I'm sure that I know people that I care dearly about who voted for Trump. That's fine. That's their right. They can do what they want to do. But he does spew hate a lot. 
So what hate we already had in the world was put on a bigger scale. Right. And it just becomes natural. It becomes natural to hate your neighbors, hate somebody that has something that you don't have, hate somebody at work. But it's just a natural part of our daily life now is hatred. And I don't know how you can get away from that. I don't think we can, because even now, like, so this is just a, a, a simple, silly um, example is we ordered a new rug for our living room and it said it was delivered. So we've had things delivered before and it's gone to our neighbors. One was a um, carpet cleaner and we had to physically go over there and say, hey, right. did you get this package? And we see it sitting there open. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to give it to you guys. Okay. Like I already have my thoughts about my neighbor. He, he seems like a good guy, but he also seems like a not good guy. Um, so we get this rug that says it was delivered. There's, it's nowhere to be found. Right. And it was raining that day that it was delivered. We were both at work. So maybe it went to them and they were just going to be nice and put it inside while it was raining until they saw us. So we waited till like eight o'clock and I didn't see either one of the neighbors. So I wrote a note and I said, hey, just wanted to know if you got our rug. You know, please let us know. Jay and I did an arrow point because he knew he, he knows my name. So I go out later that night and I see the note has been ripped off. So they obviously got the note, but didn't take the time to come over and go, "Hey, uh, we didn't get your rug." So now in my mind, like I'm automatically like, "They got our freaking rug. They have yeah. it. They've already laid it out. They're enjoying our rug right now." Just because I, I look at him at, at somebody who would do that, and I, you know, <laughs> I, I'm like, I hate him sometimes. Next morning, we hear a little knock on our door. It's this little lady who lives three houses down who has our rug. She's like, you know, they had delivered to her house instead of ours. So I got, I got mad at this guy and had words for him for no reason, even though in the <laughs> past I've had reasons to think that way. But it, it just came natural for me to blame him right off the bat, right. accuse him of stealing this rug, and then, it, you know, that not be the case at all. And it's, it's just hatred is natural for a lot of people. And I'm sad to say I'm one of those people. It's just natural for me. Like I hate so-and-so and I hold grudges. If you're ever on my bad side, you're on my bad side for life. Like I, I there's still kids from elementary school. Like if I hear their name, I just like, Ugh. yeah, like I hate that guy. Like I, I'm very vindictive. I always have been. And I, and I, sorry, Jesus, you know, <laughs> but that's just how I am. And I think that that's the majority of the way the world is too. <laughs> Yeah, I you know we maybe we should do a podcast about um, technology at some point because I I, I oh, feel like a lot of that is to blame on social media because we have gone so unchecked in in the past decade plus of Facebook going back to even MySpace MySpace was a little more friendly environment because it was more mm-hmm. uh, user experience based as opposed to uh, user interaction based like Facebook Twitter and uh, Instagram. Um, to a lesser extent, but it it gave people a free ticket to Mm -hmm. say whatever they wanted without any consequences. Like growing up, if you said something to somebody cross, there was a possibility you get punched in the mouth. But if you say something cross to somebody on Twitter, who's 3000 miles away, you're probably never, ever, ever, ever in a million years going to run into that, run into that person. So you can say whatever you want to them and feel happy and content and we've gotten to that point now to where we just i mean it's almost bleeding over into society where that hatred kind of has become normalized you know like you said with with 
this, this especially this political cycle, um, and even to a lesser degree, the one before it, where people are just screaming at each other mm-hmm. because it's that I'm right, you're wrong mentality. Like I said, it goes the same thing in, in, in churches. You know, there's how many different kinds of Baptist churches and you, you're yeah, telling me each one no of them believes they're a hundred percent right. And yeah. So yeah, like I think, like you said, hate is so ingrained in our society now that it's hard to go back to a time and part of that is freedom it's it's the freedom to live and act as you want the problem is people don't yeah, and want people are, to they're, they're left unchecked on somebody much. else like people are just left unchecked. <laughs> not to get off the religious topic, opinion but... matters and it doesn't yeah it doesn't like even what i do what i put on there doesn't matter like it matters to yeah. you know me and and people close to me but yeah we should definitely i thought about not necessarily technology but i thought about an episode just about vices which that could fit into that for sure in the future. Right. But yeah, it's it, one of my, not to get off subject before we wrap this up. One of my biggest pet peeves is when people start off a sentence or a, a post on Facebook that if <laughs> oh, you I don't agree, so go ahead and unfollow me. And I'm like, that's that's such a one side. I mean, that already that that one sentence alone just says. Yeah. And guess what? I unfollow. I have. Him. I'm I'm filled with hate <laughs> because I'm not gonna. Yeah. I, well, I'm I'm not gonna engage in an open dialogue. I'm not gonna try to understand your side. Here's my opinion. If yeah, you don't agree with there's it, there's four then, easy you know, ways for me to unfollow you. On Facebook. <laughs> that's one. And another one is if you post anything that involves animals in a sad way, you're gone. If you post stuff, car stuff all the time, a prime example is this picture <laughs> that went around forever. And it was like a Corvette beside a dumpster, a blue dumpster. And somebody's like, who parked their blue Ford beside my Corvette? You're gone. And then if you post about fishing and that's all you post about, you're gone. Like, it, it annoys me and uh, I don't have time for it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a little off. Yeah, well, there you that's go. <laughs> Any of that stuff you got. So, yeah, I think my biggest takeaway from this is that it's okay to to be religious, uh, but don't get away from the bigger message. We're supposed to love everybody. We're supposed to be encouraging towards each other. And when you get away from that, like you said, with, with organized religion, yeah. it becomes more about the church than about the book. <laughs> and I think. That's, that's, you know, it, and Joel Osteen, you mentioned him, he, he's a prosperity pastor. And that's another sort sore topic for me is the idea that if I give you money, uh, it, it, because you're a religious individual, if I give you my money, I'm going to get more money. Uh, the Kenneth Copeland's, you know, the, that, that think yeah, that's that they have some scheme. kind of greater spiritual connection than any other pastor. Um, yeah. And, and so the, I think, and that's off putting too, is because it's, it's getting away from the more important message it's, instead of it's right. You know, God doesn't care how much yeah, money and I, you have. Um, <laughs> he cares about where your heart's at. Like I used to, I, I look down on people if they wear jeans to church and I know that's terrible. I know that's terrible. And it's always irked me. And like, <laughs> even when Lindsay and I got married, I said, if anybody steps foot on this property wearing jeans, they're out of here. <laughs> like, like I know, like get what you can. Get what you can <laughs> do not wear jeans. Well, and that's, 
Well, and hey, that goes back to what you said. We were growing yep, up in your fancy hat. Sunday was you're supposed to wear your Sunday best. That didn't become a phrase <laughs> just because. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, that's but, you know, I think you wear the, the big thing is like <laughs> believe what you want to believe. That's 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 your prerogative. That's your right. If it makes you feel good, that's fine. There are some out there I think are wrong. We won't get in that, but picketing at a Beyonce concert is one of them. But the best thing we can do is just be open-minded and listen and engage in conversations. And we don't do that enough, but that's, that's the easiest way to get past all our indifferences. Right. Just Absolutely. Talk about it. Yeah. yeah. You listen. don't have to agree. Like just you're listening listen. to us right now. Just listen. Let I mean, yeah, it, 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 it um, exactly. We need more people to listen. I was looking at the numbers on the uh, last week. Maybe no one likes the horror. Like <laughs> this is more personal and deep, you know. Maybe this is maybe this one have more. It's about. a it's a niche. Um, anyways, I think that's gonna do it for yeah. this episode. Um, we hope that you enjoyed it. Yeah, remember to subscribe, follow us on and Facebook please and Instagram. Share. Just search for those podcasts. One and you'll little find share us. can go a long way. Yes. Yes, please. And get ready Much for excited. next week's good. Christmas special. <laughs> Borat is timeless. I, I don't care what you say. Um, <laughs> thank, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, I'm Jay. <laughs> and I'm uh, Kelly. Remember, this episode Until is next sponsored time, by Jameson Theorem of Blackwell Realty. Are you or someone you know on the market for a new home? Maybe you're looking to sell. If so, we have the perfect guy for you. Jameson Durham of Blackwell Realty is the realtor and managing broker we trust for our own needs as well as that of our families. Jameson goes everywhere, works harder than most, and will negotiate with everything he has on your behalf. Jameson helped my dad sell his home and not only got an offer over the asking price, but sold it in just two days. You can contact Jameson via phone at 615-879-5998. You can find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Jamison Durham Real Estate. Find them on Instagram. Just search Jamison Durham and the number one. Or just tie your information to the leg of the closest bird you can find and he will contact you. So for an easy, dependable, and thorough real estate experience, contact Jamison today and experience the Durham difference. Thanks for that. This episode of Weirdos is sponsored by Jameson Durham of Blackwell Realty. Are you or someone you know on the market for a new home? Maybe you're looking to sell. If so, we have the perfect guy for you. Jameson Durham of Blackwell Realty is the realtor and managing broker we trust for our own needs as well as that of our families. Jameson goes everywhere, works harder than most, and will negotiate with everything he has on your behalf. Jameson helped my dad sell his home and not only got an offer over the asking price, but sold it in just two days. You can contact Jameson via phone at 615-879-5998, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Jameson Durham Real Estate, on Instagram, just search Jameson Durham and the number one, or simply tie your information to the leg of the closest bird you can find and he will contact you. So for an easy, dependable, and thorough real estate experience, contact Jamison today and experience the Durham difference.